0: Section twenty four of Cambridge Medieval History, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hope for Swan. Cambridge Medieval History, Volume One, Section twenty four. By Martin Bang so threatening was the situation that the emperor severus alexander felt himself obliged to break off his campaign against the persians and take over in person the direction of the operations on the rhine negotiations had already begun before his assassination march 235 but his successor the rough and soldierly maximin brought new life into the campaign advancing by forced marches into the country of the ailments he drove the barbarians before him without serious resistance laid waste their fields and dwellings far and wide and finally defeated them far in the interior of their territory the result of this campaign the last war of offence on a large scale which the romans waged on the rhine was the restoration of security to the frontier for a period of twenty years under Gallienus, probably about the year two hundred and fifty eight, the storm broke with irresistible force. The armies of the Almans broke through the great chain of frontier fortifications between the Main and the Danube, and after overpowering the scattered Roman garrisons, poured like a flood across the whole of the agri de Comates and established themselves permanently in the conquered territory at the same time. Raetia became a prey to them, nay, more, a strong force, even crossed the Alps, and penetrated as far as Ravenna. The invaders were, it is true, defeated by Gallienus near Milan, and forced to retreat, but the country at the northern base of the Alps was lost, and its loss threw open to the Germanic hordes, the gates of Italy in addition to the ailments of the upper rhine there now appeared on the lower course of that river another dangerous enemy namely the franks the frontier had scarcely ever been seriously threatened at this point since the days of augustus but now under gallienus the situation was altered here also there had quietly grown up a confederacy which under the name of franki the free presumably comprised the tribes formerly met within these regions the chamavi sugambri and other smaller clans their name first heard in the time of gallienus was soon to become even more terrible in the ears of the romans than that of the germans the first attack of the new league of peoples upon the rhine frontier occurred in 253 the districts on the Gaulish bank of the Rhine soon fell into the hands of the enemy. With great difficulty, Gallieno succeeded in forcing them back across the Rhine, but others followed them, and there ensued a series of desperate struggles which lasted till 258. On the whole, The Romans had the best of it, even though their army was not large enough to prevent isolated bands of Franks from establishing themselves upon the left bank of the Rhine. In 258, Gallienus was called away to the Lower Danube, which urgently demanded his presence. The confusion which was created in the Rhine district by the assassination in the following year of the emperor's son, Valerian, who had been left behind as imperial resident at Cologne, by the ambitious general Cassianus Postumus, gave the Franks a welcome opportunity to make a new inroad into Gaul. Their bands ranged almost unresisted through the whole country, from the Rhine to the Pyrenees, devastating. As they went, then they pushed on, as the Cimbri had done before them, across the mountains into Spain and made havoc of that country for several years, reducing to subjection even great cities like tarraco While, like the Vandals after them, they also made a foray into Africa, as at the time of the Cimbrian war, the terror of the Germans spread through all the countries of Western Europe. Only after a considerable time, Postumus, a capable soldier and a well-intentioned administrator, was able to force the Germanic hordes out of Gaul and restore peace and security. But the Rhine became the frontier of the empire, and remained so as long as the empire lasted. From this time onward begins a period of incessant fighting with the Teutons of the Rhine country, with the Alemans in the south and the Franks in the north the weakness and exhaustion of the empire caused by inner dissensions becomes manifest. If Posthumus succeeded in keeping the Roman possessions on the Gaulish bank of the Rhine essentially intact, his immediate successors were less successful. The country was uh, left defenseless, and large portions of it were plundered and drained of their resources. Probus, indeed whose short reign, 276 to 282, is a ray of light in these gloomy times, succeeded in clearing them out of Gaul, and even ventured to assume the offensive on the upper Rhine, in a brilliant campaign forcing the Alemans back to the further side of the neckar. But such successes were but temporary. Only in the time of Diocletian, Thus, a durable improvement on the Rhine frontier set in, an improvement which was maintained for the next two or three generations. During this period, a third set of invaders, in addition to the Franks and Ailmans, appeared towards the close of the century in the Saxons, the terror of the British and Gaulish coasts. In the main, however, Gaul was suffered to enjoy peace, and with peace returned prosperity. Meanwhile, on the shores of the Euxine, there emerges a people with whose name the world was to ring for centuries, the Goths. Their original home had been, it would appear, in Scandinavia, and after their migration to the German Baltic coast, they had at first established themselves about the estuary of the Vistula. Then, in course of time, they had moved further southward along the right bank of that river, So that at the beginning of our era, they appear as far south as the neighborhood of the Bohemian kingdom of the Marcomani. How long they remained in this region, we do not know. But it is not unlikely that their eastward migration falls about the time of the Great Macromanic War. We are equally ignorant of the time occupied by this migration and the details of its progress the only thing certain is that it reached its close no later than circa two hundred and thirty to two hundred and forty the territory where the goths at last took up their abode embraced the whole of the northern coast of the black sea in the east it was separated by the don from that of the alani in the west it bordered on the tract of county norward of the danube delta and the dacian frontier which had been settled four hundred years earlier by their bastarnay and the skiri here the goths try- divided into two sections soon after their immigration that dwelling more to the west being known as the tervingi the, the inhabitants of the forest region while the eastern division was known as the gritangi the inhabitants of the steppes for the former the name visigoths Vescotti, came into use at latest circa three hundred and fifty for the later the name ostrogoths the Sinasias, however, in which the meaning of them is not absolutely certain, although the Western Goths and the Eastern Goths was an interpretation already known to jordanes The boundary between them was formed by the Dniester Before long there appear alongside of them other Germanic peoples, the Jepide, taifali Borani, Urgundi, and Heruli. The two first of these had some original link of connection with them. The Gepidae indeed appear in the Gothic legend of their migrations as an actual part of the Gothic nation. Whether they migrated to the Black Sea region at the same time as the Goths, or followed them later, must remain an open question. Towards the end of the reign of Severus Alexander, two hundred and twenty two to two hundred and thirty five, the first indications of the appearance on the northern shores of the Black Sea of a new and powerful barbarian race, of a most warlike temper, had already become manifest when the Greek towns of Olbia and Tyrus fell victim to the sudden descent of an unknown enemy from the north. A little later, under Gordian III, 238-244, to its name is found. In the spring of 238, Gothic war bands marched southwards, crossed the Danube with the connivance of the Dacian Carpi, and broke into the province of Lower Moesia, where they captured and plundered the town of Istras. The procurator of the province, Tullius Menophilus, two hundred thirty eight to two hundred forty one, being unable to repel the invasion by force of arms, induced the Goths to retire by the promise of a yearly subsidy. But by 248 they had renewed their attacks on the Roman frontier, in alliance with the Taifali, Astingi, and Bastanae. Under the leadership of Argeis and Gunteric, their bands again broke into Lower Moesia, assailed without success the fortified town of Martiannopol and plundered the unfortunate province again. But these first exploits of the Goths were completely thrown into the shade by the great invasion of roman territory made at the beginning of 250 by the half legendary king kniva at the head of a powerful army while the carpi flung themselves upon dacia the gothic attack was directed as before upon Moesia. thence a strong detachment pressed onward over the undefended passes of the balkans into thrace laid siege to philippopolis and even dispatched a plundering party into macedonia one division of the gothic army of the vainly assaulting novae and nicopolis was defeated in the neighbourhood of the latter town by the emperor odysseus in person but this success was immediately counterbalanced by a reverse the goths while the retiring southwards by way of bereau augusta traiana the present Escae Sagra on the southern slope of the Balkans defeated the Roman troops who were pursuing them. After this battle, the victorious Goths effected a junction with their countrymen who were investing Philippopolis, and that city fell into their hands. The Romans, however, were now making extensive preparations in view of which the barbarians began their retreat. Decius, eager to wipe out the failure at Barreau, Sought to bar their path, and in the hope of inflicting a crushing defeat upon them, engaged them near Abritus, about thirty miles southeast of Durstorum, Silistria, in June two hundred and fifty one. The day, which began well for the Romans, ended in a fearful disaster. A great part of their army was destroyed and the emperor himself and one of his sons were among the slain. The country from which the barbarians had just retired now lay once more defenseless before them. They were finally bought off by the promise of a yearly subsidy. The Gothic War of 250-251 to had revealed in its full extent the danger which had lain hidden behind the mountains of Dacia. Later events did little to remove the terrible impression which the invasion of Kneva had left behind. On the contrary, the history of the eastern half of the Empire, in the reigns of Valerian and Gallienus, Claudius, Aurelian and Probus is filled with incessant struggles against the Goths and their allies. For even Asia Minor was not exempt from their ravages, besides the bands which swept down by the Balkans and back again. There were now others which came by the sea from the Crimea and Lake Makotis to ravage this constantly widening area of the coasts of Asia Minor, and which even penetrated to the inland districts. Especially prominent in these piratical raids were the Borani and Heruli, two peoples who here appear in history for the first time, side by side with the Goths. The first of these expeditions, made by the Burani in 256 against the town of Pityus on the eastern shore of the Black Sea, ended in failure. But by the following year, these same Burani succeeded in capturing and sacking Pityus and Trapezus. Even more destructive was the expedition which, spring 258, was undertaken by the West Goths, starting by sea and land from the port of Tyrus. The whole western coast of Bithynia, with the cities of Chalcedon, Nicomedia, Nicaca, Apamea, and Prusa, was ravaged. The year 263, 264 and 265 also witnessed the vasting of the coastlands of Asia Minor by similar expeditions of the Pontic Teutons. Ilion, Ephesus with its renowned temple of Artemis, and Chalcedon were this time the victims of the barbarians. But all these exploits were far surpassed in importance by the great plundering expedition of the Heruli in the year two hundred and sixty seven. From Lake Mautis, a fleet said to have been five hundred strong sailed along the western shore of the euxine, then through the Bosphorus, where they made a successful coup de main against Byzantium, through the Propontis, where Sisychus was captured, and the Hellespont. And onward past Lemnos and Scyros across the Aegean to Greece here on the classic soil of Attica Argolis and Laconia the wild hosts of these barbarians made fearful havoc and it was long enough before the bewildered provincial government ventured to oppose them the defenders in whose ranks the historian dexippus of athens played a leading part gradually gained confidence and when they had succeeded in destroying the ship the invaders were obliged to retreat by the land route beaten by the roman troops their hosts rolled northwards through boeotia epirus macedonia towards their home which they succeeded in reaching also hard pressed by their pursuers and at the very last compelled by the emperor gallienus to fight a battle in which they incurred heavy losses at the river Nestus on the boundary between macedonia and thrace we have seen above how the danube has been constantly threatened since the appearance of the Goths on the black sea how invasion after invasion had descended on Dacia and Moesia. Soon after the accession of Gallienus, probably 256 to 257, Dacia, with the exception of the narrow strip between the Temes and the Danube, which continued to be held down to the time of Aurelian, together with the portion of Lower Moesia, which lay to the north of the Danube, the present Great Wallachia, became the prey of the barbarians. Some of the West Goths settled in Great Wallachia and the Taifali in the Banat. The northern districts, especially Transylvania, were occupied by the Victovuli and Gepide, who at this time make their appearance among the, the enemies of Rome. The consequence of the loss of Dacia and Transdenubian Moesia was that the two was that the Teutons now be- became on the Lower Danube, as well as elsewhere the immediate neighbors of the Empire, that their territory being divided from it only by the river. Only once in this whole period of inward decay did the imperial powers sudden succeed in winning a decisive victory. That was the achievement of the Emperor Claudius, whom his grateful contemporaries and successors have rightly adorned with the honorable title of Gothicus. In the spring of 269, the Teutons made yet another attack upon the empire, surpassing all former ones in violence. East Goths and West Goths, whom tradition here first distinguishes, Bastogne, Puechini, Gepidae and Heruli, united their forces and advanced with a mighty army and fleet, estimated in the sources of at 300,000 fighting men and 2,000 ships against the nubian frontier once more the province of lower moesia bore the brunt of their attack the land army of the teutons in which lay their main strength first made an unsuccessful attempt to take tomi and marcianople then swept like a flood over the interior of the country wasting and plundering as they went meanwhile the fleet which was manned chiefly by heruli sailed past the sand into the aegean and appeared before thessalonica part of it remained there and blockaded the city the remainder were made a great plundering expedition which bears eloquent testimony to the seamanship and daring of these teutons along the coasts of Macedonia, Greece, and Asia Minor, extending even as far as Crete and Cyprus. This was the situation when the the emperor Claudius reached the scene of war. At his approach, the besiegers of the hard-pressed Thessalonica had hastily drawn up northwards and effected a junction with their kinsmen in Upper Moesia. The hostile forces met near Nassus. In the desperate struggle which ensued, the Teutons suffered a crushing defeat. What remained of their army was in part cut to pieces in the pursuit, in part driven into the inhospitable recesses of the Balkans where the survivors surrendered they were partly enrolled in the roman army partly in pursuance of a policy initiated by the emperor marcus settled as colony in the devastated frontier districts thus the danger was averted from the empire and the desire of its restless neighbors beyond danube to make expeditions on the great scale was damped for nearly a hundred years no doubt the inroads and piratical voyages of smaller gothic warbands continued War bands continued. Indeed, in the next fourteen years, two hundred and seventy to two hundred and eighty four, there was fighting with bands in this kind, under Quintulus, Aurelian, Tacitus, and Probus. But all these incursions were easily repelled by the imperial government, which gained strength under Aurelian and Probus, just at this time too there broke out a severe internal struggle between the teutons of the euxine and those of the danube the first aid called in by the goths against the tervingi was that of the basterne but the outcome of the struggle was that the basterne were defeated and compelled to abandon the territory which they had held so tenaciously for more than five hundred years the expelled is said to have numbered a hundred thousand men were taken under his protection by the Emperor Probus and settled in Thrace. After that, the Tervingi, supported by the Taifali, made war on the allied Jepide and Vandals, while the East Goths fought with their Eastern neighbors, the Argandi, who under defeat were taken under the protection of the Alani. We can see that the whole of the Eastern Germanic world was in a state of wild uproar. On the middle, Danube, there had been no fighting worth mention since the Macromanic War. We hear indeed of an incursion of the Marcomanni in the reign of Valerian, but, broadly speaking, the name of this once a warlike nation may be said to disappear from history. Their old comrades, the Quadi, often appear in association with the Isagis, from the time of Gallienus, which, when they made a descent upon Pannonia. There was further fighting with them in 283, as is proved by a coin of Numerian. However, they are in this period thrown into the shade by the other more dangerous assailants of the Empire. Indeed, with the appearance of the Goths, the main struggle between the Roman and Germanic powers had shifted from the Middle to the Lower Danube, shortly after the death of Probus, October 282. The ailments on the upper Rhine and the Franks and Saxons on the lower Rhine had begun their forays again. The eastern districts of Gaul were again overrun, while the coasts of the channel were harried by Saxon pirates. The Burgundians had also had left their home between the Oder and the Vistula, and forced their way through the heart of Germany to the main. When the government had been taken over by Diocletian, his colleague and, after April 286, co-emperor Maximian entered Gaul in the beginning of that year. It was his first care, so soon as he had suppressed this insurrection of the Bagaude, to put a stop to the piracy of the Saxons and Franks. He first cleared the left bank of the Rhine, drove the Heruli and Chivans, two Baltic tribes who had invaded Gaul, right out of the country, and basing himself on Mainz, conducted a successful defensive campaign against Alemans and Burgundians. The defence of the coasts was entrusted to a capable officer, Chorosius the Menapian, with a strong command and extensive authority. But when Chorosius set up for emperor in Britain towards the end of 286, the Teutons found a fresh opportunity. The usurper even made common cause with the enemies of the emperor and openly helped them. Maximian, indeed, repeatedly, 287 and 291, gained successes against them, but the first decided improvement on the Rhine frontier was due to a new development of imperial organization, by which Gaul and Britain became a distinct administrative department with a governor of their own in the person of the general Flavius Constantius, March 293, who was at the same time appointed Caesar the franks were decisively defeated within their own borders summer 293 britain was reconquered for the empire spring 296 carosius himself had fallen a victim to a conspiracy in two hundred and ninety three and finally by two great victories over the ailments on the upper rhine peace was at length restored two hundred and ninety eight to two hundred and ninety nine and the rhine was made secure especially as regards the upper part of its course by the building of forts and the restoration of the defensive works which had been destroyed by the enemy and had fallen into decay Following the examples of Maximian, Constantius settled large numbers of prisoners of war, Franks, Frisians, and Chamavi, as laity and Colony, in the wasted and depopulated districts of northeast Gaul. Here, they were to cultivate the fields that had been lying fallow, to supply the labor that was sorely needed, and to aid in the defense of the frontier. The country rapidly recovered, trade and commerce began to flourish again, and the ancient prosperity returned. It was in this hopeful condition that the western provinces came into the hands of Constantine when, 25th July three hundred o six, he was called by the will of the army to take up the reins of government. During a reign of 31 years, he thoroughly fulfilled the promise of his youth. From the first day of his rule, he devoted all his efforts to the securing and well-being of the provinces. The Franks, who were again on the move, were energetically repressed. In the process, two of the chiefs were taken prisoners and given to the beasts. Similarly, four years later, a combined attack of the Bruchtery, Chamavi, Cherusi, Lancians, Ailmans and Tubantes was repulsed with heavy loss. These were the only occasions during Constantine's long reign on which the Romanic peoples of the Rhine district made any expeditions on a large scale as regards the actual defence of the frontier the number of troops was increased the flotilla on the rhine was reorganised and raised to a considerable strength and the belt of fortresses along the frontier was improved in this connection took place the reoccupation and refortification of de Deutsch, the old bridgehead of Cologne, which once more gave the Romans a firm foothold on the right bank of the Rhine on what had now become Frankish soil. The coast defense of Gaul and Britain likewise underwent further improvements. The establishment of a special military command in the later country, mentioned in the Notitia Dragunitatum under the title Comes Litteros Saxonici per Britanniam, most probably goes back to Constantine. When the Emperor towards the end of 316 left Gaul for the last time, the land was in the enjoyment of complete peace, and this happy state of affairs continued so long as the internal peace of the Empire was preserved. The enemy on the further side of the Rhine was thoroughly overawed, and ventured on nothing more than small violations of the frontier. Nevertheless, the peace did not endure. When Magnentius, a Frank by race, set himself up as emperor, three hundred and fifty, the security of the Rhine was immediately in peril, since the eastern emperor Constantius himself incited the Teutons to attack the usurper and so to invade the empire all that had been accomplished by constantine was rapidly lost in the disastrous years of civil war between three hundred and fifty one and three hundred and fifty three the left bank of the rhine was again overrun by the Teutons. the fortified positions denuded of their garrisons were almost all captured and destroyed and the open country far into the interior of the province was plundered till there was nothing left to plunder Although Constantius, after the suppression of the Pestifera Tyrannis, himself made two campaigns against the ailments, in the first, spring 354, against the kings Gondomad and Vadomar, in the second, summer 355, against the Lentionses, he effected practically nothing. It was only when the young Caesar Julian took up the command in Gaul that the situation began to improve the whole year three hundred and fifty six was taken up in fighting against the ailments who were driven back on all sides a great number of towns including colony which had been captured by the franks were won back again a serious defeat incurred in three hundred and fifty seven by the magister Petitum, Barbaccio was retrieved by the brilliant victory of the Caesar over the united forces of Knodomar, Serapio, Vestralp, and other kings, in all thirty five thousand men under seven kings, Reges, and then sub kings, Regales, at Argenturatum, Strasbourg. Two further campaigns against the in three hundred fifty nine and three hundred sixty one were equally successful. On the lower Rhine also Julian defeated the Franks, the Chassis, and the chamavi three hundred fifty eight to three hundred sixty the tracts between the Scheldt and the Mos were cleared of the enemy. Seven towns among them the old fortresses of vingium and Tunacum, Bona, Novasium, and Vetera, all on the Rhine were retaken and again put in a state of defence. Thus, the young Caesar seemed in the way of bringing about a complete pacification of the Rhine country when he was compelled to leave Gaul by the outbreak of conflict with Consentius, 361. Once again, the country was left defenseless before the barbarians, who did not fail to profit by the situation. It was indeed high time when, after the death of Jovian, February 364, the new emperor Valentinian entered the threatened province in the late autumn of 365 and took up his headquarters at Paris. So much had the situation altered for the worse since the departure of Julian that the Aiglemans could venture in January 366 to cross the frozen Rhine and penetrate to the neighborhood of Chalon-sur-Marne. Here indeed they were defeated by the general Jovinus, who had hastened from Paris to intercept them, and were compelled to beat a retreat. But the danger was not done with; the guerrilla warfare continued on the frontier with its forays and surprises. Several years of vigorous actions were needed before any change was apparent. Following the old and well-tried maxim that the "attack in the best defense is the best defense." valentinian in three hundred and sixty eight himself crossed the rhine at the head of a considerable army reinforced by contingents of illyrian and italian troops advancing into the country of the ailments he came upon the enemy at Sulicinium, Sulse on the upper neckar and defeated them in a bloody battle, two smaller expeditions beyond the Rhine followed in the years 371 and 374. The result of this successful assumption of the aggressive by the Romans was, broadly speaking, the recovery of the Rhine frontier, which remained, for the present, exempt from serious attack. End of section 24, recording by Ho for Swamp.